Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Howdy. Welcome to the podcast. Chuck Bryant, Josh Clark here. This is Josh. That's Chuck. Hi. Hi, Chuck. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Josh, but I something uh, something stinks. That's not me, Chuck. That's actually uh, Michael Wax. You play poker? Uh, occasionally, but not really. Are you familiar with Michael Wax? Uh, no. He is a professional poker player. He's a big guy, 440 pounds. Okay. And he was recently ejected from the Borgata Casino in Atlantic City for um, a, an unpleasant smell, basically. Wow. He, uh, like I said, he's a big guy. He'd been playing 17 hours straight. So Ugh. apparently he was on a roll. Yeah. But uh, I guess he'd also failed to shower in between. I right. don't know. I guess they didn't comp a room for him or anything for you know a half hour or anything right. like that. But yeah, Mr. Wax was ejected. Uh, no, no word on his winnings or anything like that. But well, I hope it was enough to buy some soap and deodorant. At I, least. I imagine so. I imagine so. And you know, <clears throat> if you were close enough to Mr. Wax, you, you'd probably think, well, this is. You know, it's body odor. It smells like any body odor I've ever smelled. Right. But were you to really get up under there and you had a really good scent, like maybe you're a professional sniffer for Uh a perfume company or whatever, you would notice that he has a very distinct what is called an odor type. Right. And all of us apparently have a unique odor type. Do you know much about odor types? Uh, Well, I know that we we do all have one and uh, it's genetically based and it, it can be also environmental too right like what you eat yeah so so basically uh there was one study in 2006 that found that vegetarians emit a more pleasant body odor than meat eaters right they smell like broccoli and we smell like Which, steak uh, that's gross i would rather smell like steak any day of the week right me too uh, there was there's another study in 95 that found that a pregnant woman's body odor was actually a combination of the mother's and the fetus's um body odor smell yeah that's fascinating and um based on my own personal observations as unscientific as it may be i've concluded chuck that your body odor (laughs) is based on your love of hot rod racing and those delicious morning uh smoothies you make yeah well you know josh based on my findings yes i've uh i found that you smell like a mix of circus peanuts and old footballs and desperation and desperation yeah so it's a strange combination yeah so but it works the thing is is um we do have our own specific uh odor types we don't know precisely what makes what and and i don't think any has really been cataloged yet look for that in the future when somebody ends up with a lot of excessive funding right um but we do have a couple of theories of why we smell there is this anthropologist named lewis leakey and he postulated that we actually smell, um, evolutionarily speaking, to ward off uh, predators, right? which is something we had to deal with before. You don't so much anymore unless you're like a lion tamer sure. or a hillbilly, right? that kind of thing. Um, so now it's just kind of uh, offensive to, to a degree. Right. Right? Um, so what do you do? Uh, well, I would use deodorant. Or, you could. Or I would use antiperspirant. Aren't they the same thing? Well... Why would you even go so far as to say both? I mean, it's the same thing, right? Right. Well, they're not the same thing. And oh, I think anyone okay. that pays attention in the, in the supermarket or the pharmacy knows there's antiperspirant and there's deodorant. That is true. I just thought they were different spellings. No. Well, what's the difference? Well, uh, one keeps you from sweating and actually uh, stops you from sweating. And one uh, is just a perfume to mask odor. 
Oh, okay. Well, it was very succinct. <laughs> that, that's the easy answer. Do you know that your body odor doesn't actually emanate from your from your your um, glands from your sweat? Do you, do you know where your smell actually comes from? Uh, it has something to do with bacteria. I know it that. does. It does. So you've got two kinds of sweat glands. Um, one is the eccrine gland, right? And it just excretes salt and water, and there's no smell to that. The other is the apocrine gland, and this one actually is in charge of carrying. Um, fat and protein secretions from your cells. I didn't even know my cells secreted fats and proteins. It's gross. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it carries it through these glands or these ducts to the glands and then out onto your skin right. where there's plenty of native flora, which is another name for bacteria. Right. And your smell is actually your the bacteria chowing down on these fats and proteins. That is so gnarly. I can't even <laughs> I hardly it? get through this podcast. But yeah. And of course, you've got um, you know the most uh, the most uh, both of these types of glands, sweat glands, right under your arm, exactly in the axillary area, the armpit, as everyone knows, is right. generally where the stink comes from. Right, which is why we very infrequently put deodorant or, as Chuck calls it, antiperspirant on the back of your neck. Right. Um, that'd just be weird. Although it would have a similar effect, I imagine. It's just nobody's, you know, neck smells all that bad. Right. Um, so do you know much of the history of deodorants and antiperspirants? Well, I know that it kind of started in the 1950s in the United States, at least. Well, it became a social taboo to smell in the 50s. Right. You and watch Mad Men? Well, I was just going to bring that oh, up. Let's hear it, because I don't watch it. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite new shows. I'm kind of late to it, but I've been watching it on the uh, on-demand feature. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there was an episode that dealt with uh, antiperspirant spray, mm-hmm. and this is in 1960s when the show is set. And how they sold it to you, I think they said, uh, you're not afraid to get close or don't be afraid to get close, right. which recalls get a little closer right. from, I think, Arid uh, Extra Dry was yeah. the deodorant that used get that. Get a little closer. So it's it's interesting that what they're implying is with a lot of advertising is, is sex. Get a little closer. Don't be afraid to get close to your right. husband. And uh, I just think, I mean, the show in general is really neat that in the 1950s and 60s when ad- the advertising boom really started is where, I mean, a lot of the things that we, we have today and social taboos, like, they were told to us by these ad men right. in New York in the 1950s and 60s, and people bought into it. Yeah. And yeah. all these years later, you know, you don't want to stink because you want to get a little closer. Exactly. And, and conversely, if you uh, do stink, you should be afraid to get closer, right? Right. So that it's really paid off. In 2006, uh, just antiperspirants and deodorants accounted for $2.5 billion in sales. Yeah. I mean, think about it. What They're four bucks tops for you know, anything you find at the grocery store, right? Right. Um, and uh, it, it turns out I have a, uh, I've developed a theory about uh, deodorant and antiperspirant sales. I can't wait to hear that. So there are three big things on the horizon that I think are going to cause the deodorant and antiperspirant market to fluctuate. Uh huh. You want to hear? I'd love to. Okay. So the first is baby boomers. Okay. It turns out that in in your fifties, right, in, mm-hmm. in the fifties to the sixties range, um, deodorant use kind of falls off. You don't need it quite as much, right? You don't need it or you're not bothered by your smell. Either way, um, people in their 50s start to use less deodorant than they did when they were younger. Interesting. That actually affects the market. And we've got a bunch of baby boomers who are hitting 50, 60, 70 now. Just walking around stinking. Pretty much. Have you smelled (laughs) your parents lately? Uh, I try to keep my nose away from there. Precisely. Precisely, right? So with all of this this huge aging population going on right now, Uh I predict that the deodorant and any perspirant market will decline because of that. Right. But 
But you ready? Yeah. I also predict that they will that market will be helped by global warming. Uh, because summer sales for are, are just the biggest, bulkiest uh, season for deodorants and antiperspirants. Right. With climate change, we're going to have longer, hotter summers, right? Right. And uh, hence, the deodorant and antiperspirant market will soldier on. They'll be able to bounce back from that discrepancy. Right. And the third thing, I think, will bump it up even further. Uh, bovine growth hormones. It's all over the place. It's in milk. It's in beef. It's, I, I believe, in chickens, and it's causing early onset puberty in children. Yeah, and I know that your, your glands that, that make you stink, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. they don't come around until you're like 11, 10, 11, 12. Until about the time you hit puberty. Right. If puberty starts at, at age 8 all of a sudden now, thanks to drinking regular milk, right. um, then you're going to need deodorant soon. So that will expand the market, the younger market, for, for right. deodorant and antiperspirant companies. These are just some theories, some sure. ramblings I come up with. Uh, they come to me in my sleep, that right. kind of thing. But I, I um, wake up thinking about deodorant all the time, yeah, too. Yeah, so do I. Uh, it's more market stuff that, that I think of, but in this case, it was applied to deodorant. So, uh, Chuck, maybe we should get a little more specific. Like, how does deodorant work versus how does this antiperspirant you keep talking about work? Well, uh, I know deodorants don't keep you from sweating, so all they can do is... Uh, you apply it to your uh, ax- axilla, mm-hmm. your, right? your armpit. Yeah, your armpit. Sure, and that that just masks the uh, the smell. It's a perfume, to an extent. Fill me in. <laughs> so basically, it also most deodorants today include a um, an an ingredient that actually kills the bacteria. Triclosan. Yes. Yeah. So you've got that that native flora on your underarms, on the skin, and that your cells are still carrying the fats and proteins, or the 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 fats and proteins from your cells are still being carried to your skin. There's no bacteria there to eat them, hence no smell. Right. Right. And they also include perfumes too. Right. But what about antiperspirants? Well, the antiperspirant actually plugs the uh, the glands uh, with things like aluminum and zirconium, which is kind of scary if you think about it. And that keeps the sweat from ever being produced, in theory. In theory, right. yes. So antiperspirants don't let you sweat at all. Well, if if they're effective. So I was doing a little research, a little extra research for this article, and there's this 1990 uh, New York Times article by a guy named Anthony Ramirez that I came across. It's awesome. Um, and he was talking about a little bit about the history of antiperspirants. The first patented one ever was called EverDry, uh-huh. and uh, it came onto the market in 1903. You had to apply it using a swab to the armpit, and it was so acidic that it actually ate through clothing. People were putting this on their underarms. Wow. So yeah. It's progressed quite a bit so far. Yeah, and and I know that it's still there's a lot of controversy over the use of aluminum in products. It, it could pose some health benefits, and actually, um, deodorants and antiperspirants are considered over the counter drugs and are regulated by the FDA. Right, that's and crazy. Po- possibly in part because of the health the health hazards, potential health hazards. Like what? Well, potentially could be linked to cancer. I think most people have heard that aluminum uh, deodorants can be linked to cancer mm-hmm. by by causing DNA mutation. Right. Right, and then there's another one that's a little, a little weirder, right? Oh, the kidney disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, like, I think 2002, 2005, something like that, all of a sudden this warning label pops up on deodorants, and it says, uh, ask your doctor about kidney disease or something like that. Right. Um, and it just came out of nowhere, and there was never any really good explanation for it. Um, but it turns out that aluminum can also cause kidney poisoning, right? Right, or if you have impaired kidney functioning, it can send you over the edge. Yeah, so... Uh, it's possible all sorts of bad things could happen to you, which is why, uh, from my understanding, 11% of the population doesn't use, of the American population, I should say, doesn't use deodorant or uses an off-brand, which leads me to wonder, what is an off-brand deodorant and why would you use it? Like, do you have right. like a friend on the street who whips it up for you? <laughs> no. Why not just go get it at the store? Well, I, I think maybe what they mean by off-brand, I might be wrong, is uh, maybe some of these all-natural deodorants. No, that those find. are included. They have made such headway into this market that the niche market, like Tom's of Maine, you mean? Right. Has actually expanded their huge players. So what they mean, literally, are these hippies that make up their own... I guess so. Own, uh, Although deodorant. hippies aren't necessarily known to, to use deodorant, no. let alone go to the trouble to make their own. But, no. You know, that's a question for another day. Yeah. The question for today, which I advise you to go check out on HowStuffWorks.com, is what's the difference between deodorant and antiperspirant? And stick around to find out which article's homepage art really cracks Chuck and me up after this. Thanks for hanging around, Chuck. You want to tell them? I will. Uh, it's actually an article called uh, How Atavism Works uh-huh. or Atavism. Either way. And uh, that's when humans have uh, can grow little tails or little nubbins on their body. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, for those of you who don't know, we have uh, uh, homepage art that... The writers themselves are in charge of finding uh, pictures to represent what the article's about. And some articles are a little harder than others. And I guess uh, atavism is hard because uh, writer Katie Lambert. Clambert. Yeah, Clambert. She, uh, she, her homepage art is a, uh, a little baby kind of prancing around. Just from like the uh, waist down. From with the waist down with a, uh, with a cat's tail photoshopped onto it. Yes. And yeah. it's, it really just cracks me up every time I see it. And Katie did a great job with it. She definitely did. Way to go, Katie. Uh, you can check out this homepage art when you look up uh, how atavism works on HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you